Over the last few days, people all over Nigeria and in the diaspora came out to peacefully protest in their thousands, demanding an end to police brutality and the disbandment of the special anti-robbery squad, SARS. The phrase wrong generation were words ringing out of most of the protesters, stating that the government has messed with the wrong generation, what I like to call the wrong generation FC. The protest which started out peacefully ended up allegedly hijacked by hoodlums which led to the curfew imposed by the Lagos state government, which according to reports saw the presence of military men and led to what is now called the Leki Massacre. A number of lives were said to be lost at that location, with a number of others surviving bullet shots. Just before we go ahead with the podcast, I got a couple of people who have had experiences with the Special Anti-Robbery Squad Unit of the Police Force to share their experiences with us. And here's what they had to say. Okay, so my SARS experience, yeah, I think I was coming from work. Uh, this was either December, yeah, it should have been December. I was coming from work with a colleague of mine. She is South African and we were coming from work and then we had just reached that road with a lot of banks. And then I think, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I honestly, it was in the blink of an eye. And then all I know is... Um, we someone stopped us some guys in black stopped us and the driver was like not today so he keeps driving out of nowhere i just had someone hold on there hold on hold on. <laughs> i'm laughing now but it wasn't funny hold on hold on and then someone is slapping the car so obviously we stop and then these guys were already like they didn't i like that they didn't waste time i don't like it but like these guys went straight to the point as in how much <laughs> so I'm like, you stopped us to get money but anyway so they stop us and then i think the driver was trying to drive away and this guy said i will never forget this guy pulled out he had is it i don't know types of guns i call every long gun ak-47 he he was like i will shoot you now and nothing will happen to you you drive huh <laughs> ah <laughs> wow wow when they have just paid me salary <laughs> no please i must enjoy my life but anyway um on a serious note uh my friend and i she is south african i am ugandan first things first we could not talk we did not want to talk because i feel like once we talk is like cash cow you get those start on us so we keep quiet they take the guy's keys there was a black car in front and people were moving by the way um there was a police convoy passing so they take the keys and then this guy is begging for the car and they are threatening him still with shooting him and honestly what we had to do on and <clears throat> what we had to do is we had to come out because these guys were let's say on my left side yeah so we came out from the right side this is two girls in heels at like 10 p.m two girls in heels running across that zenith roundabout zenith bank roundabout road running with cars you know how people in lagos drive is like something is missing we're trying to run across the road in heels while waiting for someone to tell us again to hold them there but yeah it was not like i can laugh about it now because when you think about it you're like I want to go and shop for where these men buy the audacity. It's just, it's, it's, I need to shop there. Maybe they have discount. But yeah. 
I just remember the incident very well because that day I was I drew I passed through um what's that Ijushaga Road from Akute and I went with my friend that just came from Abuja. So immediately we passed the traffic light. Someone just hit the car by the side and like park. There was a um a gas station in front, so it was like park. They tried to move to the other side of the road. So they said we should open the door. We opened the door and then they entered. They said we should drive to the gas station and they drove there. They asked for our phones. Funny enough, I and my friend were using was it cute then? Then they checked the phones, asked for our IDs. And, oh, we're going to access bank. I can't even forget. We're going to access bank to pay in money. So we go. We checked the phones, checked out the car, checked everything. They didn't even ask us for papers. They didn't ask us for anything. Say we should identify ourselves. Blah blah blah. After going on and on, I'm not even kidding you. The next thing they just said is that why are boys that we should. They're going, they're going to collect one million naira from us. <laughs> At that point, I laughed because I, but I, I, then I wasn't even working. So even when they asked for the money, I just did that. This was the bloody jokers. Like, the only money on me at that point, aside the money we we're going to pay in, was just 500 naira for us to get food or something to eat. Let me not say food. I think bread or something when we we're going back home. Ah. So I just looked away. My friend was still trying to form rapport with them. I said, this was not okay. So. They called my friend out. That was still trying to form this thing. So when he came back, and I'm like, see, your God, don't let this guy deceive you. Forget the. I know you've been trying to talk with him and everything, but our house is not far from me, Akuti. And then we are going to the bank to pay him money. He stopped us by the road. He asked for everything. He didn't say anything to use to pin us down. And then he didn't even ask for papers. And the next thing he's asking for is one M. That means I'm just a student. So there's no even way I'm going to get that one M for you. That the only money on me right now is 500 naira. I think it was 1,000 or 500. I can't remember. But I, I shall know I had money left to get what I wanted to get when I was going back. So I think, yeah, I think it was 1,000 and give them 500. So after I explained the other things, I was like, I can even give you the address. See the address. You saw it on my ID card. I, I will bust up here. And then you're telling me one millionaire for something. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm like, oh, they're going to carry us to area GL. Is it area one? Their headquarters are one somewhere. And of course, I'm someone that once I see you with weapons or whatever it is, gone knife or anything, I'm usually scared. So when he mentioned that area G, I mean, he put some kind of fear into me. I'm like, see, me, I'm not going anywhere, one, because I've not committed any crime. And if asked for money that I don't have, I can show you my accounts balance. It's a different thing if you are pinning someone for something you saw. But this one, you didn't say any crime. We, I mean, we've confirmed that our students, my friend was um, finishing his, um, I don't know what they call it, his training as um, a pilot. So, I mean, we're both still in school practically. There's nothing, it's not like we were getting money from, we're still even under our parents. And then they look to look. After like filming, they collect, you, you won't even, I mean, they collected the 500 naira and walked away. I'm like, what is this country turning into? So yeah, that's my experience. And me personally, since that time, I've just been afraid of them because those guys, those guys do crazy things. Welcome to the Centric Podcast. My name is Lizzie Musa. On the podcast today, I have broadcast journalist, New Central's political anchor and broadcaster of international repute, Benga Aborowa, yet to discuss some of the issues arising. Welcome to the Centric Podcast, Benga. Thank you, Lizzie. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Talking about the NSARS protest and everything that's gone on for the past um, 
it's up to over two weeks now everything that happened what would you say we're able to achieve with this protest i mean it's a awakening a political awakening for this generation that you've called uh, what do you call them again? the wrong wrong generation the, fc <laughs> yeah the wrong generation fc so i mean they've been they've lived through police brutality and harassment and they kept quiet for too long people didn't think uh, they could ever speak with one voice they thought they were only interested in premiership and big brother and entertainment and you know they were not political and they spend all their time on social media. But like everything in life, it had uh, a hit a crescendo uh, when they killed uh, the young man in Delta State and it led to sporadic protests across the country. It was sustained for 12 days until the federal government uh, decided to sponsor some hoodlums to disrupt uh, some of this protest. And of course, the now famous Leke incident when it was alleged that some soldiers opened fire on peaceful demonstrators. So it's achieved a lot in terms of galvanizing support and, you know, organization. They were cleaning up protest venues. They organized ambulances, um, security, food was provided. And uh, it's an achievement for young Nigerians. They should raise their head up high. Uh, you said it's an achievement. What I remember is, I remember being at the protest grounds and applauding how well they were able to, you know, put things together. And, you know, it gave me hope in Nigeria mm. as a whole. And I, I saw how crowdfunding could actually, you know, play a very, mm. um, it played a very crucial role in so much of the, whatever it is they were able to do in that period. And they were able to, you know, I saw a girl who, came an amputee like she, she's an amputee and yeah. they were able to raise some money for her. i don't know if you yeah, saw that they're different stories like just the power of crowdfunding nigerians are very benevolent people they are very kind and generous uh, so she even got like five times what she was yes. she wanted in the first place and not just her just so many of them yeah. so but that's in that's on that side but in what we're trying to fight against this. Yeah, stars. there was a five by five, uh, five, five, for five, for five, five demands made to the government. And uh, if you look at it, if you're tracking the implementation of the five for five, some efforts have been done in terms of disbanding SARS. That's number one, even though uh, the name has been changed. And, uh, you know, seeking justice for victims of. SARS brutality. Some, you know, some progress has been made. Lagos State, for example, has published uh, the names of police officers that will be facing trial. Uh, Ogun State has done the same thing. So you could say, you know, some efforts has been made. Force the government to speak. Mr. President addressed the nation twice. And the governor of Lagos State has had the longest two weeks of his political career. So I would say some progress has been made. And also, uh, not to forget, Lagos State uh, government has set up a 200 million Naira trust fund to compensate victims of police brutality. So, steps in the right direction. I just mentioned three uh, out of five. So, yeah, because you know, even after um, we tried to, you know, sustain this protest, and they said, okay, the SARS has been ended. Mm. You saw that the protesters. I mean, young people protesting still went on protesting. 
despite these three things you said okay I've, I've been like done but they still went on protesting because they believed they've still not gotten what they wanted yeah exactly and rightly so they continued protesting because they didn't see any concrete steps mm-hmm. uh, they weren't justified that the government was following through on their promises and not just paying lip service to addressing police brutality in the past there's a we've seen our government like the SARS they said they've disbanded SARS in the past like three times yes. and they end up showing on the street so because let me use street lingo because they've been victims of audio promises you know mm-hmm. audio disbandment this time around they wanted to make sure that look you they will follow it up to the letter and um, so that's why the protests went on because the Governments was foot dragging, they were dealing dallying, they thought it was child's play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they weren't convinced by just changing the name from sw- uh, sw- SARS, SARS to SWAT, yeah. and you know, the IG was still in his job. A, a whole lot of not one SARS officer has been apprehended, even the famous uh, CSP Wafo. Uh, that a lot of people have petitions against him is not been arrested. So that's why they said, you know, this government thinks we're joking. They're not serious, so we'll keep protesting. Yeah, yeah. So well, for the wrong generation FC in court, do you think that this generation has done anything differently from the past? Because I was speaking to somebody that is, you know, um, an elderly person, and the person said that there is nothing that we're doing now that they've not done in the past. Like every fight that they were fighting. Is, now. Did they have a helpline? Did they crowdfund? No, they did not. Yeah, so I'm not trying to rubbish their struggle. Yes. Everybody, every generation has had to face their oppressors in that time, but this is unprecedented in the. Because, I mean, the young people have technology at their advantage. Uh, they could garner a lot of international support. Uh, global superstars uh, were on the hashtag trend. Lewis Hamilton, Formula One driver, wore an NSAS t-shirt to show, to show solidarity uh, to Nigerian victims of police brutality. So it's unprecedented. And I like the style, uh, the format of this protest. No leaders, it's organic. So when the people feel we're done, or the government has met our demands, the protesters will dissipate and just leave. But in the past, when we've seen the Nigerian Labour Congress lead uh, protests or strikes, they go into negotiation with the government in the middle of the night, and then they arrive at some deal, Three o'clock in the morning, they announced, you know, the strike has been called off, whether the demands have been met or not. And everybody just goes home. So we've always had protests that were led by the Nigerian Labour Congress. But this is different. I don't recall them providing food or organized or, or being organized to such a to such an extent and just taking care of everyone, you know, providing ambulances, food, help, psychological help, um, uh, legal representation legal assistance too Mm -hmm. but do you think if this could have been sustained for a long while with the crowdfunding method that was being used i mean that question i can't answer to uh to a hundred percent because it's a hypothetical question i don't see the future and if things were different i don't know how they would have played out but what i know is 
that the people were determined, the resolve was there, that you know, government must meet our demands and all of that. So I applaud them uh, in terms of tenacity and you know, just sheer willpower to see that you know, we want this change and the, and the government of the day will listen to us. Do you think there's anything that we could have done differently? I mean, at the point where they said, okay, it's been ended, do you think they should have gone back to restructuring? As far as I'm concerned, the chain of events that followed, the lucky shooting, the looting, the violence we saw, everything is on the government. The protesters have a constitutional right to protest. If the government had acted fast, if they were if there was sincerity of purpose, if they had listened to the demands of I mean and genuine demands too. Do you know the number of testimonies we heard of victims of SARS? Those guys were really, really bad. And there's no justice. So as far as they felt the government wasn't listening to their demands, they had every right to protest. So what I won't blame them for anything. It's the government that should have acted more responsible. The government shouldn't have sent soldiers to Lekki. The government should have acted fast and in good faith. The government should have set up a public panel of inquiry for people to, you know, tell their stories in the hands of SARS, you know, share their bad experiences. And the government should, you know, seek justice for those victims. So if the government had done the right thing at the right time, and not sending thugs to infiltrate peaceful protesters and not trying to divide the people who won't be in such a situation of senseless and destruction of property and loss of lives. It was all avoidable if the government did the right thing. So I have nothing, I think the protesters did the best. They were organized, they were peaceful. Not a single tire was burnt in Lagos in, in, and different parts of the country in, in 12 days. That's a record. They were peaceful protesters until yeah. the government messed everything up. So do you think this is the end of it? No, it won't be the end of it. <clears throat> we live in a technological age and uh, people will follow up on it's It's a new political awakening. People would always follow up on progress on this and assess the situation. And uh, if it goes away, it will be sad on the memory of those that have died yes. for the struggle. So. It's important that they keep the conversation going and they follow through on government promises and they make sure that justice is served. And uh, it would also snowball into you know, accountability and <clears throat> an to impunity and criminal maladministration in Nigeria across sectors, not just the police. The whole system needs a reform. I had resets of thinking, approach to things people need to be more accountable and we need to end corruption okay so what do you think is the way forward beyond the protest what can we do as young people to make our voices heard yeah young people should i mean aside from social media yeah they need to get interested in politics because uh, the political illiterate is the worst type of illiterate because politicians basically determine how you live your taxes your, i mean everything is Everything revolves around the economy, around politics. So if you're not interested in politics, you're missing out. So it's been, and, and young people have the advantage of numbers. Nigeria has a huge population of young people. So the demographics favor them 
what they need to do is just organize, uh, educate, and you know, come to be, be more resourceful. They have technology in their advantage too. So the next election cycle, they can actually force change to happen and put competent and well-meaning Nigerians in positions of authority. Not necessarily young people, just people that know would listen to their demands and follow through. Okay, so taking us back a little bit, why do you think it took um, young people this long to speak up? I mean, everything has a breaking point and they just couldn't take it anymore because they were taking advantage of them. And it's not about why it took long. It was, it's just a pivotal moment in history and I guess it happened when they couldn't take it anymore. Have you ever had any experiences with SARS? Um, I've not had any experience with SARS, thankfully, but it doesn't in any way diminish the yearnings and uh, my support for the NSARS protest and the movement. I don't necessarily have to go through somebody else's pain in order to empathize. Uh, from the testimonies I read, if you go to NSARS.com, you would read them. Uh, a lot of them are there. Quite sad. So I'm, I'm an ally of the course, and uh, even though I have not experienced police brutality, but I've seen the effect of bad policing and a police force that is ill trained, ill equipped, and not managed. And this protest, what policemen need to realize that they're the ones that will gain in the long run. It's going to be a, it's for a better police to serve everyone better. It's not us against them. It's respect for, for your fellow human beings and, you know, treating them with dignity. So it's our fight. Okay, so how do you think you can engage the Ministry of Youth in, like, all states to play active roles to end discrimination of... Um, negative profiling of young people because you know during this period I think about last week Paystack the owner of um, Paystack Paystack was bought and for like millions of, of dollars and when we actually look at the profile the look of the Paystack owner if you want to do the profile in the way our police look at it you would see that it fits into that picture that they always saw how do you think that our ministry or whatever can actually do something to just stop profiling people i mean it's it's uh, i think it's more of the nigerian police hierarchy and the entire nigerian police force they need to keep up with modern times and stop profiling people i'm i mean there's something called intelligence gathering and um it's just sad that we have a police that force that thinks every young person that drives a fancy car or that is doing well has to be criminally oriented and that's not true so it's left for the human rights ngos the nigerian police service commission the nigerian police force to train its men in you know better civilian and police community relations they need to understand that you're there to serve these people it's not a master and slave relationship just because you carry a gun does not make you better than me it's a volunteer force you took pick up forms you decided to chase a career in the police force i decided to become a journalist some other people decided to become doctors or software engineers it doesn't make you a better person but what 
it's common is everybody should be treated treated with respect and dignity and that's where the police fail to understand they think they're superior just because they carry guns so it has to go with the training and um you know training of uh, and the mentality of the nigerian police force which needs to be looked at urgently okay so speaking of sustainability um, all the gains from the protests that we we already saw, how do you think they can sustain it like going forward? Yeah, it's for young people to focus and not get distracted and you know stay on the conversation. I'm not saying other things won't get into the new cycle. There's no way we can discuss NSATs from now to 2023, but the critical stakeholders, the civil society, NGOs, and the general public have to follow through on the promises, you know, keep governments accountable for the promises they've made to end police brutality. And those who are victims should also speak up. So we end this vicious cycle and people won't have to die needlessly. And there won't, need, there won't be any need to have a general protest again. So speaking about speaking up, do you think we can build a community where young people can report police excesses? Yeah, that's where you have technology there and social media is already doing it. But uh, we need one from the police database. And I feel it's not just reporting because they have a tendency of protecting their own. They need to be transparent about administering justice. And the people also need to follow through on investigations and making sure that those that have been reported for harassment or to have stolen money from citizens are brought to justice. So it's everybody has, all stakeholders have a part to play in it. Thank you so much, Benga, for your time and for being here today. Thank you very much, uh, Lisa. It's my pleasure. All right. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Centric Podcast. Bye. If you like this podcast, then you can be a part of the community by following our social media platforms on Twitter and on Instagram at The Centric Pod. And don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. Until next time, my name is Lizzie. See you guys later.